Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is this. The title is The Exorcist. The Exorcists. Now, I know, I realize that it's not Halloween time. I get it. I get it. We're in May. Uh, But that's the best title that I could come up with for my message today. And you might be wondering, well, okay, where did that come from? Well, you'll find out very quickly. Look at Acts 19, beginning in verse 11. Are y'all ready for the Word of God? Y'all ready? Okay, here, here, here we go. Here's what Luke tells us. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the, and now this is wordy, I'll explain it in a minute. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Skeva were doing this. Verse 15, but the evil spirit answered them and said this, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? What a response. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them. So they fled out of that house naked And wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Now, what a wild story, isn't it? Luke tells us, first of all, that, well, God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. And if you study the ministry of Paul, that's what you see over and over again is that Paul, of course, he preached the word, he taught the word, but Paul also, by the power of the spirit, cast out demons. Paul also prayed for the sick and the sick recovered. And we see this in Paul's ministry and it was a remarkable ministry. And I want to say this, that the miracles that he performed and all that Paul did in that respect, well, that validated Paul as an apostle, as one sent from Jesus with apostolic authority to come against demons and to see those demons expelled. Okay. And so we see this in in Paul's ministry, but Luke reminds us that, that God was doing these extraordinary miracles by, here's the key word, by the hands of Paul, by the hands of Paul. And so this refers to Paul directly being involved directly with exorcisms and healings and such. But Luke goes on to tell us that, listen, now this is freaky, okay? This is like Halloween stuff that we, like freaky stuff that we would talk about that time of year. Verse 12 says, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and the sick were healed and demons were driven out by the usage of what? 
aprons or handkerchiefs, uh, articles of, 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 of that nature were, you know, that would touch him were taken to others. And just the fact that that, that happened, I mean, I, I don't know all the details of how God moved through this, but we're told the result was that, that sick people were healed and the people were freed of demonic possession. Now, again, I, I don't know how that worked, but I do know this. If you go online or maybe you're tuned into a program where someone is selling uh, prayer cloths that are that they claim to be anointed and full of miraculous power. Listen to me. Save your money. Save your money. Okay. but in this instance, of course, we see these articles being taken and miracles happening. But listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. This episode, what happened here, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Does that make sense? Let me explain. In other words, Luke is just describing what God did to this very unusual set of circumstances by articles and aprons of that nature being taken and through that people being healed. That was a very unique, extraordinary thing. Now, here, here, here's the truth. While I say save your money, there is some truth that God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And so, listen to me, this is still possible. I mean, this could happen today, but how many of y'all know it's not very probable? It's not the usual way that God heals people or brings deliverance. But it is the way that, well, in this case, God did so. And so it's in the word of God. So we have to believe it because how many of y'all know God can do whatever he wants. He can heal however he wants. Okay. But remember, this is descriptive. This is not prescriptive. This this is not Luke saying, hey, Midtown, y'all need to go, you know, take articles from from the anointed men and women of God and go lay them on people and see them heal. That's not what he's prescribing. He's, again, describing. All right. But but it, it gets even stranger in this episode, as we just read. Uh, we're told that there were some copycats, some men who sought to do what Paul was doing, that is hands on, by using, listen carefully, Paul's message and Paul's method. And we're told here it was some Jewish, some itinerant Jewish exorcists. They had heard or perhaps had seen Paul casting out demons by the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus. And so these copycats, they were not Christians, they were not converts. Well, they they sought to copy Paul. And in this case, they went to this area and they found some people who were possessed by demons. One man in particular possessed by a demon. And we're told here that they, they said this collectively, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And they used the name that Paul used, the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And using this name, they sought essentially to perform an exorcism. Now, this stuff is is wild because what we're about to see in more detail is, listen carefully. They used Paul's method and they used Paul's message. But how many of y'all know they did not have Paul's authority? (laughs) And so they had the name of Jesus. They heard about what the name of Jesus can do, but they did not have Paul's authority because, well, they knew about the name of Jesus, but they were not submitted to the name of Jesus. And what we see in this passage, I mean, it's classic stuff. I mean, here was the result. They tried to cast out the demon, 
But we're told once again, beginning in verse 15 of chapter 19, but the evil spirit answered them, the seven, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? I mean, this is the demon, the evil spirit talking back. And the man in whom was the evil spirit, look look at the language, this is classic, leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so they fled out of that house naked. Now, in Tennessee, where I come from, people say naked. It's not naked. It's naked. Naked and wounded. Now, are y'all, are y'all with the story? Are y'all with this? Is this, is this clear? Okay. They went in. Let me, let me make this clear. They went in to this exorcism fully clothed, but they were cast out but naked. Think about this. Not, not, not too much, but just bear with me here. <laughs> they went in fully clothed with the name of Jesus, expecting to perform this exorcism. But instead of driving the demon out, instead, the demon and this man drove them out. Now, what a humbling experience. Think about this. They ran out of the house with no clothes on. This man, possessed by a spirit. I mean, it doesn't get into a lot of language and a lot of details here about what happened, but probably beat the tar out of the seven sons of Sceva. I mean, physically assaulted them where they ran out wounded. I mean, probably bleeding. I mean, beat up out of the house. This is what we call a reverse exorcism. I mean, this is wild stuff, huh? And people think the Bible's boring. I'm like, have you actually read it? Well, no, I've just heard it. I mean, if you read it, you'll see the Bible is not boring. I mean, this is action-packed, freaky stuff. But how many of y'all know there's power in the name of Jesus? How many of y'all know that Jesus had authority over demons? How many of y'all know he still has authority over demons? How many of y'all know Paul had authority over demons? But these men apparently had none. They had no authority. Why? Why? Well, the seven sons tried to use the name of Jesus, but they weren't authorized to do so because they were not submitted to the name of Jesus. They were just religious. And maybe they had good intentions, but apparently good intentions won't take you too far when you're dealing with the demonic. Are y'all tracking? And I was thinking about this a couple days ago as I was writing the message. And I'm like, okay, what's the application for us today? The meaning to me is clear. What's the application? And I thought about it for about four minutes. And here, (laughs) it didn't take long. Uh, Here's what I wrote. This, what I just talked about, this is what happens to many professing Christians today. Many, like the seven sons of Sceva, know that there's power in Jesus' name, but are not willing to submit to the name. So let me make this clear. Um, as I look out today, the church, like the seven sons of Sceva, in many respects, the church today looks wounded and bleeding in a lot of ways. The church looks beat down. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The church in many respects. I'm not saying every church. I'm saying if you look out, there, there's just a lot of things And I'm not the guy to talk about what's negative and wrong all the time, but let's just be honest. Let's talk about what's out there. In many respects, the state of the church in America, it's just not good in a lot of ways. And 
and I thought about this. I'm like, what, Lord, why is that the case? And again, you don't have to think very long. You don't, need, you don't need to be a prophet or have a word of knowledge or have some power. To, it's just super clear if you look out, at least for me, I, I think about the fact that, well, the name of Jesus is used all the time, isn't it? Are y'all with me? Uh, wh- wh- what do you do before you eat? What do you do? What should you do? You pray. Now, I, sh- I shared this with the first service. I just recently went out to eat with someone. And, and listen, I think you should pray. But if you, if you go out to eat with me and you sit down at the table, I, you don't need to bind every demon from here to Natchitoches at the table. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I will join you in praying for your family and for everything that's on your heart. But when I show up to eat, I'm there to eat. Come on, Cajuns. How about y'all? And it's okay to pray for all those things, but I'm like, I'm like this. I mean, they're, they're going on and on. And I'm like, let, let's make this reverent. Lord, seriously, thank you for the food. Thank you, God. Let's eat. Okay? Anyway. So, if I meet you for lunch, remember what I said. We have prayer meetings for that kind of stuff. Okay, we can go to prayer meetings and do that. But, but here's, what I, here's what I want to, to, to share with you. There's a lot of prayer rightly being offered in Jesus' name. How many of y'all know there's power when you pray in Jesus' name? Jesus tells us that himself in John 14, 13, and 14. There's power in the name of Jesus when we pray. People are praying in his name. Well, how about this one? There are a lot of songs written about the name and in his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. There is power. I'm not going to sing it. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. There's power in the name of Jesus. How many of y'all know that song? Break every chain. Y'all don't know what I mean? There's a song. What a beautiful name it is. I mean, yes. Yes, of course. It is a beautiful name. There's no greater name than the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of church. We sing songs about the name. And, and I mean, the name of Jesus has literally been commercialized by uh, the Christian community at large in America. I mean, the name of Jesus is everywhere. And on one hand, maybe that's not so bad. But listen to me. You can pray in Jesus' name. You can use the name for this, for that. You can sing about the name. But listen to me. None of that makes any difference if we are not willing to submit to the name. Because if we just use the name and think, well, there's power in the name. Yes, there is. But if we're not submitted to the name, then listen, we are not authorized to use the name. And if you don't believe me, just ask the seven sons of Sceva. <laughs> are, y'all, are y'all with me? And I'm not trying to be ugly. Listen, I, it's like, this is what's next in the text. I'm not trying to be hard. Pastor David can come and clean all this up. I'm the preacher. He's the counselor. So he'll come and make y'all happy maybe next week. <laughs> but this is, this is the text. They got the tar beaten out of them, driven out, naked, wounded, bleeding, because they tried to use the name without being submitted to the name. Wow. What is the name of Jesus? What does it mean? What's it about? Well, whenever you hear Jesus, I'll save you the long linguistic trail to figure this out from the Hebrew to the Greek and English. But here's what Jesus means, essentially. Let me make it simple. It means his name means Yahweh saves. That's what his name means. Yahweh saves. And how many of y'all know Jesus is a great Savior? Ten of y'all know that. How many of y'all know he is a great Savior? (laughs) Yeah. The Puritans say, the sin in you and me, that sin is great. But the grace in our Lord Jesus Christ is way greater. How many of y'all know we serve a great, great God? A great Messiah. A sin-canceling 
Yoke breaking Messiah. His name means save. He's God's saving agent. Jesus was sent from the Father with this messianic mission to set us free from our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And when I think about Jesus, I think of him as my friend. I think of him as my helper. I think of him, of course, as my savior. But, but let's be honest about this for a minute, okay? You, you examine your own heart in this matter. If we're honest, sometimes Christians just use Jesus' name and they use Jesus' blood and they use Jesus' righteousness as their fire insurance to keep them out of hell, but they don't really want anything to do with him in this life. Dallas Willard, a Christian philosopher, says it this way. He speaks about vampire Christians who only want a little blood for their sins, but want nothing more to do with Jesus until heaven. Just give me a little blood, Jesus. Cover my sin and appease my guilty conscience. And don't forget, secure me a place in heaven. But many don't want anything to do with Jesus until they get to heaven. And many are even committed to living like hell until they get there. Pastor Dave, I'm really going to need you next Sunday. (laughs) I don't want to rescue or save anybody from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So fill this with me. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm in this with you. My name is Pastor Scott, and I'm your always. When we use Jesus' name in this way, just using the name, just being religious, without submitting to the name, we are guilty of breaking one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 7, that says this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God. How? In what? In vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, to be clear, you are not saved by keeping the law. But this commandment is for us today, properly contextualized through the gospel. How many of y'all know God's name was very, very important in what we call Old Testament times? How many of y'all know that didn't change just because we're in the new covenant? His name is above every name Yahweh, Jesus, his son. We're talking about God. God's name is above every name. And that's true if you're in the Old Testament. That's true in, your, in the New Testament. It doesn't matter when you live or where you live. We as the people of God are called to live in such a way to bring esteem and honor to his name. Does that make sense? So today we, we talk about and think about, you know, this whole idea of, uh, of taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, how does that usually flesh out? Like, what do you think about when, when someone says, don't take the Lord's name in vain? What, what comes to mind? Cursing, right? Not, not using God's name, not using, now we don't normally do this, but Yahweh, uh, using God's name or Jesus, that name in, 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 you know, to, to curse or flippantly. I mean, have you ever noticed that like when, if you jam your finger, and this is true of, of, of Christians and non-Christians, someone jams their finger or stumps their toe, they never holler out, Buddha. <laughs> have you noticed that? I asked the first service this and, and no one gave me any, any, any response. Have you ever heard of anyone, yourself or anyone, who's ever done something, you know, you were, you were, you were frightened by something or, you know, you stumped your toe and, and, and yelled out, 
another religious person's name. Have you ever heard anybody do that? Have you ever heard anybody go, Buddha? Or, or any of them? Who, who do they normally say? They use the name of your Savior in the context of, of jamming their finger. That is one way to use the Lord's name in vain. How many of y'all know Jesus cares about your finger? But not that much. That is one way. Swearing, cursing, false oath-taking, things of that nature. Yeah, sure, don't do that. But what does it mean further for us today? Uh, Carmen Imes, a colleague of mine, she's a professor of Old Testament at Biola University. She, she kinda, she's written a whole dissertation and book on this, so she, she helped me with this. And here, here's, with her help with Scripture, here's what I've come to. What does it mean for us to take the Lord's name in vain? Number one, here's what it means. First of all, you need to know God has given his name to Jesus. Jesus is God. But we take God's name in vain when we take up and we profess Jesus' name without being submitted to his name. Let me go further. We take his name in vain when we take up his name, listen carefully, for our own power, for our own purposes, for our own prestige, and for the platforms that we build upon the power of Jesus' name. We, we, we use his name in vain when we do these things for the glory of our name, not his name. And listen to me carefully. We are all guilty of this, sadly, at some level. From political parties who use the name of Jesus for their own political purposes. You're thinking, which ones? Republican or Democrat? Yes. <laughs> All kinds of politicians on both sides use the name of Jesus. And it sounds good in the name of Jesus. Pray in the name of Jesus. Do this and that. But at the end of the day, it's rotten to the core because there's no authority there because they're not submitted to the name of Jesus. Who am I picking on? Everybody that does that. Who are they? I don't know because I don't know everybody's private life in their heart. But I know what happens. Am I telling the truth in church? I am. From political parties to pastors, it's all about Jesus' name. And then you go to the website and it's all them on the website. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about Jesus, but then on social media, it's 75 selfies of them. We use Jesus' name to build platforms and to make it all about the pastor, to make it all about the, 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 you know, the anointed. Do y'all know that we can use the name of Jesus and it sounds great? But all the while, oftentimes, we're just using him. Are y'all tracking with me? From political parties to pastors to everyday parishioners, everyone is guilty of this at some level. Hurts so good, doesn't it? Recently, there have been many scandals in the church. There have been scandals since Corinth. <laughs> you know. But I, I had to get off Facebook this last week because like, I could not handle another scandal. And, and typically we think about scandals in the church. A lot of people's minds go straight to, well, it's all those priests in the Roman Catholic Church. And yep, there are some priests who've done some really crummy, sinful things. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
But how many of y'all know it's not just the Roman Catholic Church? But then, and I'm not picking on all Baptists here, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Recently, big scandal, Southern Baptist Convention, 700 pastors, guilty of pedophilia and all kinds of stuff, been buried and hidden. It's all now public. I'm saying it because it's all public. It needs to be public. That's out. Southern Baptist Convention. I don't do this, but on social media, I have several Southern Baptist friends, Facebook friends. Don't know them that well, but they're saying, you you can't sing Hillsong songs because if it's corrupt at the top, then it's all corrupt. Okay, let's take that and let's apply that. Does that mean that we can't read Southern Baptist literature, sing Southern Baptist hymns, or have Southern Baptist friends because of what some corrupt people did at the top? That's indicative of everybody within. How many of y'all know it doesn't follow? Just to let y'all know, when you read the Psalms, you're reading the words. Not all the Psalms were written by David. Many, most of them were. You're reading the words of a man who committed gross sin before God. Am I trying to justify Hillsong? I'm not trying to justify anything. Am I trying to condemn the Southern Baptist Convention? I'm not trying to condemn anybody. As a matter of fact, I'm pointing this out to say there's all kind of scandal and sin out there, but we don't need to just look out there. We need to begin right here with ourselves, with our own lives and say, Lord, how have I taken your name in vain? So this isn't a defense of this or that. Don't don't go out here and say they're, they're committed to hills. I'm committed to Jesus. Are y'all with me? I'm committed to him, to his truth, and we're going to stick to Jesus. You're real, you're real safe when you stick close to Jesus in orthodoxy. And wherever that leads, that's where we're going to stay. That's where we're going to camp. But we're all guilty of this. We say, it's Southern Baptists, Presbyterians. No, it's them Methodists. <laughs> woo, watch out. And there's some woo, shady stuff. Yeah, everywhere you look. May that not be true here. May people be able to look at the Midtown campus. And never, ever, they're never going to say, boy, look at all those perfect Christians. It's never going to happen. Primarily because you've got an imperfect leader. <laughs> and his name is Scott. But may we be the, the example of the power of the gospel and transform lives. And when we mess up, and when we sin, let's call sin what it is. People say, I made a mistake. No, you sinned and you broke God's heart and you broke your wife's heart. when you It's sin. It's awful. Let's call it what it is. I don't know why people like want to, like, let's, let's soften it. No, call it what it is. Gossip, slander, it's sin. Bearing false witness, it's sin. Let's be the people who avoid those things. But when we do commit those things, we're not planning on it when it happens. How about we, by the grace of God, be the example of what repentance and confession and true restoration before God means? Can we be that? Y'all okay? I just preach what's next in the text. Yeah, it gets me in trouble sometimes. I don't care. All right. So we see a, a church in many ways that's naked, wounded, bleeding, using the name without submitting to the name. What should that do? Reading this story and just looking out, seeing the beatdown that's taking place. What, 
What should that do for us? Well, I believe it should cause great fear to come upon us. Fear. Mm. People come out of church traditions where that's like all the priest or the pastor talked about. And I get it. I want to ask you to raise your hand. That's all you heard. And that's all you ever hear is fear, 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 fear. We have to preach the whole counsel of God. And yes, there is God's severity towards sin, but there's also his kindness. I mean, y'all know we need to talk about both. The kindness of the Lord, yes. The judgment of the Lord, yes. But there should be a fear, a healthy fear upon us. As a matter of fact, I'm feeling it right now. It's a heavy thing to preach this. This is not a light thing. People's salvation, their eternity, their perception of God, it's in the balance. We should take this very seriously. And I don't need Pastor David. I tease about him coming to clean this up. I need, beginning with me, for us together to feel this. Because it says here, Look at this, Acts 19, beginning in verse 17. I'm almost done, which y'all know at Midtown, it means nothing. Uh, And this, and this, what's the this? The beatdown became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Wow. And many of those who are, look at this, now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of dough. But here's what I want you to see. The exorcism of the exorcists caused fear to come upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And many believers, I love this, they had practiced magic arts. They brought their manuals, their books. They confessed their evil. They confessed their sin of relying on these things, of practicing these things, and they had a book-burning party threw it all in the fire. It all went up in smoke. Now that's a sign of true repentance. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry. You should do that when you sin. But repentance is not just, hey God, I'm sorry for that. It's owning what you've done, saying, Lord, I'm confessing. I'm saying the same thing about my sin that you say. I'm I'm owning it. and, And now, Lord, by your grace, I'm turning from it. In this case, the gang, they went public and confessed what they had been doing for all to hear. How many of y'all know they didn't care what people thought about them? All they cared about was what God thought. And see, if we can get that in our thinking, in our heart, Lord, I just want to please you. Jesus, I just want to live for the honor and the fame of your name.
think about how much glory God gets through that. But it all went up in smoke. <laughs> this reminded me, I gotta tell the story real quick. It reminds me of back right after I got saved. I had, I had a box full of paraphernalia from my um, before Christ days. <laughs> and it was, it was a box filled with, well, first of all, letters from my ex-girlfriend, like loaded. And it had a lot of other items in there that I can't mention in church. You say, what was in that box? You'll never know. But I grabbed that box and I found the first dumpster that I could find. I took that box and I tossed that box with all the mess and all that sin inside into that dumpster and walked away. And someone said, well, man, you threw away all those letters from your girlfriend. I mean, there's some valuable memories and there's some valuable stuff in there. Listen to me. Nothing is more valuable than my relationship with Jesus. And how many of y'all know some things need to go in the trash and stay in the trash? And isn't that what God does to our sin when we repent and confess? He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He throws our sins to the depths of the sea. It's a word picture to the sea of forgetfulness, to the bottom. And as I think as Corey Ten Boone said that, and he puts a no fishing sign there. <laughs> he throws your sin to the bottom of the sea and it's gone. Isn't that a powerful picture of redemption? When you come to Christ and you confess and you repent and you surrender to Jesus, he takes all your sin, all the junk in your trunk, all the nasty things you've done, all the consequences of it, and he throws it all into the depths of the sea, never to be found again. <laughs> That's good news, y'all. Okay, if y'all don't clap more for Jesus, I'm gonna preach another hour. Listen, give him the credit. Man, that's what God does. And there's no better news than this. That he wipes the slate clean. But he only does so when we come clean. This is who I am, Lord. I'm sorry. I've broken your heart. I've broken your commandments. I deserve nothing but hell. When you talk that way, you get heaven. When you, get, when you talk that way, you get mercy and you get grace. And you get every good thing that you don't deserve, but you get anyway because God's just that good. Amen? What's the result here? Verse 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Not the typical way to grow a church, huh? Divulging practices, you know, confessing sin. You know, turning away from darkness and the exposure, these, these frauds, like all that happened. It says the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily, which assumes growth of the church. The power of the gospel going forth, the power of the word, setting people free. That's what happened as a result. I think that will be exactly the result here. If we do what they did and respond the way they responded and look to the same grace that they looked to, we'll expect the same results. So what's the application? I'm going to let y'all get out of here and go eat. And don't say long prayers before you eat. <laughs> Do whatever you want. What's the application for us today? Well, in light of this horrible demonic attack 
in Texas. People say, I don't know if, you know, if there's still demons today. Look no further than Texas and what just happened. That is a demonic attack. Do y'all hear me? Evil to the core. And we talk about political reform and social reform and gun control. We talk about all of that. And there's a place to talk about all of that. And we should. Because we got a, we got a real problem on our hands in this country. But the thing that we need most is the fear of the Lord and a renewed respect for the fame of his name. Because see, if you have a healthy fear of the Lord, before that man goes to commit adultery, if he's thinking... Jesus, your reputation's on the line. Your name is on the line. If you really care about the name and you care about the fame of the name, then by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, we're going to do everything we can to avoid doing anything that would smear that name. We need to return to the fear of the Lord. God, we live and we breathe and we talk and we do life in your presence, Coram Deo. We live in the presence of God. Almighty God. Think about this. This isn't Pastor Scott having a a moment here of being upset. This is, I'm showing you, we live in the very presence of God. Think about that for a minute. And when people get into sin, they're not thinking about that. They think he doesn't see. They think he doesn't know. And that's why we see people professing the name but not submitting to the name. And we see the church naked and bleeding. Listen. You sit here in the presence of God. God, I preach in your presence. What a fearful thing. What a fearful a serious responsibility. We need a proper fear of the Lord. Not make a mistake, oh, I'm going to hell. No, no, you're not. If you're a believer, make a mistake, you're not going to hell. We got to get past that. How many of you know, if you are saved, you will be kept by the same power that saves you till the end. I don't get up every day going, I wonder if I'm saved or, you know, am I in salvation? I believe I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved and kept by the grace of God. Are y'all with me? So it's not getting up going, oh man, I made a mistake, I'm going to hell. You're not, but if you live like hell, you should have no assurance. Like you shouldn't walk around thinking, oh, I'm good. When you use the name, I'm not really submitted to the name. You shouldn't think that way. Man, I'd like to land the plane, but the fog is thick. Are y'all with me? Do y'all feel this? Every time the New Orleans Saints get dressed for the game, get dressed up with the knee pad, you know, the pads on and shoulder pads. And what do they put on over the shoulder pads? They're what? Jersey. What's on the back of the jersey? What? The number. And what else? The last name, right? And then they go out on the field and they play in such a way 
that they will do everything they can to bring honor to the, to what? It, yeah, the, sa- the saints, that name, yeah, but who are they really playing for? <laughs> Their name. Maybe you didn't know this, but when you became a Christian, a Christ follower, it's like putting on the jersey in Jesus' name is on the front and it's on the back. Think about that for a minute. Oh, but I thought Jesus was just my fire insurance to keep me out of hell. Thank God he does that. But no, as a Christian, as a believer, if you're really a believer, come on, we wear that jersey everywhere we go when people find out you're a Christian. Don't even worry about your name. Think about his name. Everything you do, what you say, how you act, how you do marriage, how you do life, it's either bringing shame or fame in a good sense to the name. How are you living? What does your life say about how you think about the name? Because Paul says in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to encourage you as you leave this place today. Think about leaving, wearing and bearing the name of Jesus. Think about our opportunity in the midst of the scandal, in the midst of all the darkness, all the mistrust, all that's going on right now in the world as the world looks at us. We can say how bad it is and how bleak and glum it is. It's true. But how many of y'all know we, by God's grace, by his grace, we can live holy, not perfect, but holy and upright. We can commit to growing in grace, growing in holiness, and be the type of people that bring honor to his name. You think we can do that? Oh, some of y'all are just staring at me like I just got off the bus. Do you think we can do that? We're not going to do it We will never be perfect, but we can do this consistently by the power of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all for the glory of God's name. And so as you leave today, it's not, at least for us, what is God saying to Hillsong? What is God saying to the SBC? What is God saying to you? And what is he saying to me?